just the heartbeat behind what you do is connected to the Father. So we are first and foremost brothers and sisters in Christ, and now I get to geek out on some business stuff too together, which is really fun. Yeah, this will be a blast. Thanks for having me. And you know, I have learned when people ask me the question, so what do you do? I just say, well, I do a lot of things, but let me tell you about the people who I love to serve. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. All right, so this one, whoo, this is fun. I was so shocked because I went to go open my show notes for what I was going to be talking about and what I was prepping for everybody to read. You guys, this guy, he is somebody on paper and then he is somebody in person. And it's not to say he's two different people, though I, I did have some curiosity, but he is so rich in the way that he serves and the way that he speaks from such wisdom, emotional intelligence, spiritual alignment. It is going to have you enthralled, probably re-listening and going backwards to the recording because it's really profound. And it starts in an interesting place and it ends in a totally different place. So think uh, tragedy and and things that have happened recently in the world all the way to billion dollar companies. Okay. So it's a, a big roller coaster of emotions in all of the best ways. My friend Nick Cavuto is profound and a pastor in his own right, apostolic for sure. And he shares with us in this episode, also prophetic. So if you are a rebel or somebody who considers themselves a revivalist, I don't know what your deemed name is, but he's calling you out and I'm calling you out and saying, listen to this episode tag us both and get connected to the mission of missionaries that are showing up in the marketplace in a really rad way. And it's going to ruffle some feathers and we're excited about it. So excited for you guys to tune in and I look forward to connecting with Nick in person soon. Listen up. For such a time as this, we must grow our faith and business muscles. The self-help industry is trying to own spirituality and well-being. The entrepreneurial space is becoming flooded with business pursuits focused on success instead of sustenance. But the only one who can make us fully whole, fully free, and fully alive is Jesus. So I'm ecstatic you walked into this hypothetical gym today. I'm your trainer, Tamara Andress, also coined an entrepreneurial rabbi, teaching the pursuits of God which unveil our purpose and ultimately unleash our desired provision. This FIT acronym is for founders, innovators, and trailblazers. Here, marketplace ministers conversate and educate to build others from the inside out while also sharing their testimonies of endurance. So while it's not a fitness podcast, I do surely care about your mental, physical, emotional, relational, financial, and spiritual health. You're going to hear all about it. 
If you're passionate about your becoming journey, leading others to greatness, and living a life of abundance and joy, then you're well on your way to being fit in faith. Let's hydrate. What is up, fam? I am so excited to be with you today and so pumped to introduce you to my friend, Nick Cavuto, who I told him before he came on here, I'm like, I don't know if you have a split life or what's going on, but the bio that was sent to me about this man, I was like, wow, this person sounds so interesting. Not that you're not interesting, Nick, but this other person, this CMO guy, I'm like, who's that? I only know you through your digital presence, through all the other podcasts that I listen to, through Instagram, and just the heartbeat behind what you do is connected to the Father. So we are first and foremost brothers and sisters in Christ, and now I get to geek out on some business stuff too together, which is really fun. Yeah, this will be a blast. Thanks for having me. And you know, I have learned when people ask me the question, so what do you do? I just say, well, I do a lot of things, but let me tell you about the people who I love to serve. Um, And that usually shortcuts it to get to the heart. That's really good. (laughs) I was at a conference, actually our conference, a couple of years ago, and there was this gal and her husband that were there. And like, you know, everybody was going around the table. What do you do? What do you do? What do you do? And she says, I do my best. I'm like, that is awesome. I'm going to yeah. say that forevermore because really it depends on the day. It depends on the hour. It depends on the season of life that we get to do something very different. But every day I get to be who God calls us to be, right? And so we're going to display that a bit today as you're sharing. Um, I'll tell you the first place that I'd love for you to jump in, which I think would really um, interest our community, is connected to your experience with um, the shooting at, at your children's school that people all know through Nashville, um, some of the perspectives that you brought in some of the interviews you've had have been incredible and um, also inspiring from a lens of like allowing us to be bold in our faith, no matter what is going on in, in humanity. I'd love for you to jump in. Yeah, well, I mean, I think the first centralized point that I believe is that we are the creator of our emotions. We're not the victim of them. Mm. And so I started realizing that when challenges would come into my life, and this happened about a year before we ever experienced the tragedy of the shooting, was I started learning how to say thank you to life's challenges. And so as they would come in, I would say, this is good. And I would say, thank you. Um, And it's funny enough, just over the weekend, Joyce Myers had a message and she said the same thing, which is just kind of wild. Like so many of like the confirmation bias of like that spirituality exists to end suffering. It's actually like our, our entire hope of the future has to come through trusting God that there's something bigger at play that we don't maybe see or understand. And that doesn't just mean if, you know, uh, if you get in a car accident, it doesn't just mean if, you know, you have a bad client, you know, it also can come in the format of like when you experience really deep tragedy of like, how is it even possible to suggest that there's something in this that's good? How is it even possible to suggest that I can learn from this and I can say thank you to this experience? And I think until you have something that really rattles you to your core, and then you have the ability in that moment to restabilize and say, I am the creator of my emotions and whatever I create. And that's why I believe the Bible talks about that, you know, where our treasure is there also your heart will be. And I believe that should be gated. I think it should be, you know, protected and we should protect our emotions. And so uh, I'm not the type to suggest that like I'm suppressing them by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, I've done the entire opposite. Um, but it's not my first run in with this type of challenge. And so that's kind of part of my story too. But, um, I think the bottom line is we are the creator of our emotions. We're not the victim of them. And once we're in the driver's seat, the emotional pendulum of life can be, uh, reduced to areas of where we can have faith 
and where we can also feel the things we need to feel, I think in context of the human experience that we all have. Yeah. Well, I think the, the connectivity to the human experience of Jesus being here and though there was a lot more than just his human experience, he was God at the same time. It, it does parallel to like, okay, you've dealt with much longer. Even when I'm fasting, right? Like literally having a physical fast, I'm like, he lasts for 40 days and 40 nights. What is wrong with you, Lord? Like, I cannot do that. I got it to seven and that was like, what? But it's, it's true to like make light of something that's so heavy and then to also be able to understand that that heaviness is something that is of good nature. Last week, it was on Wednesday, the Lord woke me up. It was like three in the morning, which he loves to do. It's the only time that he can get through my wild brain. And uh, he, I just heard the words like, my good. I'm like, my good. I'm thinking, gosh, like for my good, Lord? And he's like, no, 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 no. It's for my good. And so I started unpacking like all of the Bible verses connected to it is good. You are very good. Um, but it is for my good that I do these things and all things work together for the good. And I realized from an emotional perspective, how often we get stuck in our own mess and our own mental, um, ideation of self. Like we're so selfish and it is, I, God, I want this for my good. And he's like, it doesn't always work that way. It will eventually come back and it'll be for the good, but it doesn't mean that your current predicament is going to be your version of my good. And mm -hmm. so it was um, specifically related to a lawsuit that I'm walking through right now. And I thought, golly, no one, how could you sue me? I'm like the nicest person you've ever met. That's not even possible. But when I told my husband that it was happening, he was like, good. So it's very much parallel. He's like, you can't, you cannot think that you're going to be able to serve faith-driven entrepreneurs if you've never walked through the fire that these same entrepreneurs are going to walk through. And Absolutely. so it's a part of it, right? You alluded to your childhood connectivity to these things that have been heavy and a lot easier for you to walk through now. Do you want to share a bit about that backstory? Yeah. I mean, so when I was five years old, I almost drowned in a pool. And that was a very interesting moment of having to fight for my life at a very young age. And now I look at my kid's situation and I'm like, wow, you know, they had to do that to a certain extent as well. And I think overcoming death at a very young age really deposits something. I know it deposits something rich within my heart of just the ability to just experience a certain sense of limitlessness because I didn't feel bound by the same things that scared other people. I was petrified of water and maybe most people aren't. <laughs> sure. but once I overcame that, I realized that I dealt with my greatest, most intense fear at such a young age. And by 12 years old, I'd conquered the thing that tried to take me out. Mm -hmm. And so everybody does this in maybe different you know, seasons of their life of where they've got to confront the little Pokemon that turned into Godzilla yeah. and you got to face the music and you got to face the thing and you've got to deal with it. And I think that's where a lot of pressure comes, you know, for a lot of folks, they feel like they're in that pressure cooker of life and they feel like they're getting pushed on both sides. I know a lot of people are feeling that in the season of life that they're in right now. And so I look at that and go like, okay, so what can we learn from that? What is the benefit of this? You know, and I think that when we stop assuming that those things are external forces and we start looking at them as actually like a refining process of the thing that's going to pull out the greatness in us. Um, then we start treating it with a different level of intensity or observation. Hmm. But that's where I always start is just by looking at it and going like, hmm, isn't that interesting? It's one of my favorite statements because it's very neutral, but <laughs> yeah. it allows me to just kind of get a better point of view to look at, you know, like the struggle to look at like what the promise could look like and to realize that the miracle's in the middle. 
So like, and that's me. I'm in the middle of these two things, right? Yeah. Jesus, if he puts his arms out, he was in the middle of the two things. Good. And that's how energy works too. In the equal mm. and opposite force in the other direction. And I also learned that about a lot of my life circumstances is the hardest things were often the best things for me. Yeah. And they were my greatest teachers and they weren't necessarily forces that I would say are evil. Not everything was evil. Um, we did encounter evil and I know the difference now, <laughs> um, but at the same time, you know, it's like, it's just part of the format of life is like, we have to, uh, you know, have life circumstances that knock us down and, you know, shake us dry sometimes or people who choose to, you know, send us demand letters or, you know, yeah. sue us or whatever. And, and that's just the part of the process of learning really valuable life lessons that absolutely will give us the integrity to serve the people that we're called to serve. Absolutely. But in addition, it will allow us to do life different and will allow us to upgrade a lot of times ourselves. Cause I like that happened to me too in the past. And I said, you know what? I just, there's a, this category of person yeah. that I will never work with again. Yep. And uh, I know that's more time and attention for my family yeah. and more contribution I can give to God. So, yeah, yeah, completely. When you walked through that experience as a child, did you have like a spiritual encounter at that point? Would you, were you even connected to your, to God at that point? Absolutely. I grew up in like a AG assemblies of God, Pentecostal, shout them down, throw a practice nice. blank on them, you know, uh, household. That's so rare <laughs> for a little white boy. <laughs> oh yeah. No, I can, you take your shoes off, throw them at me. Let's I don't care. Go. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I grew up in it. My dad was a drug dealer That's who found awesome. Jesus. So like I lived in the contrast of like living between dark and light and, and seeing that, that transformation after my dad made it. Wow. And so, yeah, I mean, I was very spiritually sensitive as a kid and saw a lot of things that would kind of make a lot of people go like, wait, what? You know, yeah. I, I developed this spiritual instinctive or spiritual intuition um, at a very, very young age. And I remember one preacher came and I was like, this is bad news. Like, I don't know. I couldn't even stay in the room. Like wow. the sensitivity was so high for me. Wow. And um, it came to be like two years later, he ended up dismantling the whole church like one by one. And, you know, wow. just like yeah. things that yeah. I was like historically correct on yeah. at a very age where I had no context. I just had sure. you know, that, that animal nature. Yeah. 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 That's something, honestly, I've been so prayerful and intent over the last probably two years um, that like that understanding of discernment and how do I like allow my body to read the energy of somebody else or the situation. I, I, my mom's probably the same way as you, where she just like, no, I'm like, wait, what? I really thought mm -hmm. this was going to be great. And she's like, no, it's not, but you can do it and you'll find out for yourself. And it's sure enough. It's like the stove is hot. Don't touch that. The stove is hot. Don't touch that. Let me try. Ah, that's so hot. I told you it was hot. Right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, oh yeah. That's the, that's the thing about being a parent, but also just even a leader within business and the different realms in which we show up, even in the church where, you know, some people, I'm raising my hand to the some people, y'all, like we have to do it ourselves. And I feel like God is just up there like, man, why can't you just listen to me the first time? Get in the word, do the word and get, become the word, see what happens. And it's just, it's not that easy, y'all. Hmm. That's very true. I love what Gandhi said. He said, I love your Jesus, but I struggle with your followers. Um, and that was a big part of my journey coming out of ministry was like that the Jesus I saw and I experienced as a kid didn't necessarily line up with the one that I met him at when I was in my early 20s yeah. and not necessarily the one I know today. And I think that the, our relationship with God and our understanding of what that even means is fluid. And I just encourage people as often as I can. Jesus is exactly who he said he was or he was the greatest liar to ever exist. If we believe the first one then like that's really the basis of truth that you need to know. And then there's so much more after that. 
but you made a really good point. It's like stick to the doctrine of truth. And I think that that will never fail us if we just stay in the consistency of what we know is the truth. It's really not complicated. We just make it complicated and we don't need to. And uh, I just hope that's a sense of encouragement for someone today. Because I work with a lot of people who are fighting their foundation and that yeah. usually comes down to their faith. Yeah. And uh, their faith is just, it's held in this uh, frame of what they thought it should be. Yeah. And I just am like, delete all the shoulds in your life. I don't care what the should is, just delete it. And following their own inner authority, like for me, I know it's intuitive. So I've got to go like, hmm, what's my sensing about this? Like, I almost like I can smell it. It's like, does this smell funky? Or is this like, is this, is this a good thing? Right. Yeah. And yeah. everybody's just different. Some people are more logical. Some people are right. more emotional. Mine's right. just more instinctual. And once I knew that, that really helped the frame of like my faith. And then just go yeah. like, I don't know. Those are my two parallels. I don't really know a whole bunch else. Yeah. Um, but it's, uh, it's actually been really, really good. It's kept, it's kept me in such a beautiful place with my relationship with God. Yeah. And I'm sure even like you mentioned your wife and your kiddos and like understanding even how to like go into deeper relationships and connections with people like that. I mean, there's like so much intuition. That's something we can really tap into as a resource from heaven rather than it being something that we have to reject. I think a lot of people aren't attuned in that way. There's not that spiritual alignment. And so they're either then deemed as overly emotional, which isn't a bad thing if you know what that is correlated to and how it's supposed to help you then make the next decision. Um, and it goes back to that victim mentality that you said, right? Even when people are holding on to this idea of anxiety and depression and mental health, it's like, no, it's okay to have that empathetic nature. It's okay to feel these things heavy, but you have to be able to then step out of them and understand and proclaim your authority and power that that thing doesn't hold you back. Um, mm -hmm. I would be curious as you help these people from that, that place of unsturdy foundation, what, what is that like consensus around the mental health conversations? And I would say crisis that's occurring, but it's really just new language. Well, I'd tell everybody they're not going through a crisis. They're going through an evolution mm -hmm. and, and I really see it that way. It's like, it's showing up as a crisis, but I'm always looking at it because I think spirituality puts everything in the reverse angle. Yeah. So it's like. I'm contracting and things are like, I can feel I'm feeling like stuff again. I'm like, no, no, you're breathing more than you ever have. Because, because that's what, that's what it is on the other side. always. Oh, so I'm trying to get to the other side. Um, but you know, I think, you know, at, at a central core, it's just, I think that um, a lot of, a lot of us have lived by our shoulds and we've lived by the things that we feel like we have to do. And, and we live by these rules and regulations that aren't, that aren't real. And yeah. so that's why I'm like, I love working with the revivalists and the revolutionaries and the rebels because they already have a chip on their shoulder. So I'm just like <laughs> leveraging that chip to go like, let's double down on the thing that you feel called to do. Mm -hmm. And and let's figure out in a new world what that looks like versus trying to constantly patch the bridge. Because I think that's what creates a lot of those feelings of suffocating and feeling like, man, like the world is like, and even the adjectives or the verbs that I'm leveraging, it's funny because most people who are disconnected in spiritual alignment, yeah. it's kind of the alignment of your head and your body, which is your throat. And so I've just noticed a lot of people who feel suppressed around what they need to say and how they need to say it is where the, all that miss in translation and connectivity exists. So that's why I often will say like when, when I'm working with people, not companies, I'm like, you just have a whole lot to say. You just don't know how to say it. The, the biggest benefit that I learned was I just stopped judging myself. Mm -hmm. 
which gave me permission to show up in the world the way I was. And sometimes, you know, I love Jesus, but I'm a cuss a little. And sometimes that happens. I look at it like, like Peter, you know, who Jesus said, upon you, I'll build my rock. He was literally a cursing sailor who chopped some dude's ear off trying to protect the thing that he loved. But we don't judge him for that. But like if we hear someone else do it, then we could have a moment of where we go like, well, is that aligned? It's like, I don't know. I align with the truth. And most people who interact with me can see through. Mm -hmm. They can perceive the heart that's really, really pure, even though sometimes on the exterior, it can be like unique or I can say some things that are kind of crazy. But at the end of the day, they understand the intent. And one of my pastors gave that to me early in my life. He said, Nick, nobody will ever misunderstand your intent. Like your heart always comes from a good place, no matter how hard you're pushing. And I think that always comes back again to the conversation around health and mental health. Dr. Joe Dispenza says four out of five people who end up in the hospital, it's all for emotional and psychological stuff going on. Um, So what I try to do is get people to the truth, which is getting them out of the drama triangle, getting them out of the patterns of life of shaming and blaming and victims and villains and heroes, and just get to a place of co-creatorship and, and to kind of go like, how do I want to serve this moment? Well, and what can I create with the people who I'm called to serve? And I think it just like, we just got to remove a lot of the masks, a lot of the layers. Yeah. 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 Another I said a whole lot there, but <laughs> well, that was so good. And and mask like concept was something I had to walk through. I feel like when I was walking through that evolution of self, right? That place that felt like fetal position and that was never coming out of the dark. Suicidal ideation and mental health and therapy and all that stuff. I um I didn't have a resource that really I could go to. Um and I remember like Googling and sitting in front of my computer and be like, what do I type in? Where do I go? What's wrong with me? Is anybody else dealing with this? Like, you're just like, hello, hello, hello. It's like an echo to the great big chasm. And I honestly (laughs) felt really void at that point because I had never been connected um, to my faith in the way that God got a hold of me very quickly in that moment to make me realize there are other people just like you and they're connected to me. So get connected to me and then you'll have a hub and a safety zone and a place to go. I then quickly after that entered into a Pentecostal church <laughs> for the first oh. time. So it was like, I, I didn't understand that the Holy spirit was there for me and that he actually dwelled inside of me and knew nothing about that. And so all of this that we're speaking to, it really is aligning ourselves to the spirit. And that co-creation process happens because he, that's his nature. That's who he is. It's what he was called. He is the creator of all things. And so when we're trying to create a new way of living, when we're trying to create a life of health, when we're trying to create relationships that are actually established in truth and love and communication and intimacy, the only way to do that is to know the one who created such things. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that for me was such a lonely journey. Um, I felt like no one understood. No one could possibly, you know, help me. Um, And it wasn't until like a year and a half later where I was getting my ordination minister's licensing, where people started to actually share their testimonies for the first time authentically. And I'm like, this is what they mean. This is so freeing, you know? And so I, that's something. And the reason why I literally started this show five years ago was just like, tell me your story. Tell me the mess. I want to know the messy middle, not the, I'm a, what are you? Um, and I don't even know. Is that 12 figure entrepreneur with like, I don't even know. It doesn't even matter. It, doesn't, it really doesn't. I'm like, that's awesome. But it doesn't. It's like, you've helped incredible companies, fortune 500, five, like Inc 5,000 companies, unicorn startups, if you will. And that stuff, like I could geek on all day, but the sustenance of your eternity is really what matters. Thank mm-hmm. you.
Yeah. 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 A thousand percent. You know, I, there's this little format. I'll give you a formula. I'm going to mirror it back to you because I heard this dude say this a long time ago. This is, yeah. I'm like a treasure trove in my brain. I know. It's so good. This is, this is a cool thing. So he's like this triangle. I remember okay. learning this in church. So he has this triangle okay. and he's like, and here's the deal. God's at the top. And he was talking about human relationships. He's like, if you're over here and your spouse is over here, the funny thing is when you go at each other, you stay far apart, mm. but the closer you get to God, the closer you get to each other. And I think it's the same way with our work. It could be us against our work. It could be, you know, the personal versus the trying to figure out what my spiritual foundation is. It's like, well, seek first the kingdom of God. Everything else will be given to you. I think as we start placing the priority on asking, and then we have the ability to receive is, is where God can start doing his greatest work through us. And the asking isn't like, I don't really, I don't, I don't judge the ask at all. You know, anytime that we're in a place of criticizing, comparing, or judging, we're in ego-based consciousness. And that's just like, just nothing really healthy comes out of that. It's always going to be like this push and pull relationship. But when we're in spiritual understanding, it's truth, honesty, and integrity. So if our ask is coming from the place of truth, honesty, and integrity, if the way we're operating our business is in truth, honesty, and integrity, if the promises that we make to people and the thing that we feel called to do is rooted in truth, honesty, and integrity... Well, it's like the riptide. Yeah. Like, I don't care if anyone wants to think about it, about the way that God works, about the laws of attraction and how that works or how things operate in quantum physics. I don't give a crap. The truth is the truth is the truth. And that's when we're operating in the correct sequence and we experience alignment in our life. Things come to us faster because everyone says, well, uh, <laughs> when that thing happens, then I'll change. And God's right. like, no, when you change, then that thing will happen. Right. It always happens in the first. Why did Jesus come and he was mm. the person who was God in the shape of man, but he washed the followers, the, his followers feet. Mm. Like we really think about this dilemma. Mm. I don't see any Instagram influencers doing that. Mm-mm. No one's setting that example. And yet everyone's chasing the same relative clout of what, and we've all fallen into this, right. Yeah. Of like trying to figure out a way to get our message out or to right. make a unique contribution in the world. Right. And it's just like, as soon as I stopped selling and I started serving, like amazing things happened. And that's why my whole process on like anything that has to do with growing business, I just tell everybody, just encourage five people a day. Yeah. And they're like, wait, what? I'm like, that's the initial point of my strategy because I'm a hope dealer and a dope healer. Yeah. And so if I don't have time to encourage people then I'm not doing something right, mm-hmm. it's just my come from. Why? Because it changes me. My intention changes to truth, honest, honesty, integrity. When I'm in that place of just, I want to make the world better one one conversation at a time through the format of giving someone hope who doesn't maybe have it right now. Yeah. And um, that's kept me in perfect alignment and it's actually worked really well. <laughs> it's so, so crazy. And just five at a time, like that's so much easier than like, you know, the, the goal, 5 million, 5 billion, whatever, like your heart's desire. It's not to say that that's not possible, but I think that that coming back to that understanding of like just a small pebble today and what's that ripple effect look like? Eventually that is going to happen. It's a non-negotiable. You reminded me, and I know you're connected to him, but Dave Meltzer on a couple of the things that you were saying, I was like, oh yes, it's that connectivity piece. I'm curious because I know that um, even Dave like doesn't necessarily speak right into Jesus, right? He, he speaks around spirituality, speaks about God. He's a believer. I've prayed with him before, but you get to these people who are very um, aligned seemingly, and they even will speak to honor and integrity and all the things that we know in the flesh and even spiritually sound right, but they don't know Jesus. How? 
I have so many questions I want to ask. What God. would be your What would be your invitation for them? And how would you present that if you know that most likely there's going to be some sort of like agitation, rejection towards religion? I, I honestly just live life with them and let it happen yeah. on its own. Yeah. You know, because I don't live an outcome-based life in any way, shape, or form. So as much as I don't do that in business with like, all right, I got to close this deal. got to make this happen. I don't do it in faith. I'm even more sensitive to it in that way. And ever since, you know, I grew a church, you know, with amazing people. And, you know, I was basically number two in the organization, but we grew from a thousand and 10,000 people every weekend. And I watched that build and burn much quicker than what I've seen my impact on just being uniquely who I am and being authentic with who I am and where I'm at. I've, brought more people to truth through that than I ever did in ministry Yeah, of where it's actually stuck where it's actually shifted and changed someone's life. And that's where I did feel like God was removing me out of the church to like do it a different way. Cause it's yeah. the same heart. It's just a different field. It's just a different right. way to a different access point. Um, and I think that's what people are really seeking is the truth. And I think it's, a, it's a changing in the guard. It's like what used to work is not going to work. Yeah. And so what does work? Well, it's always worked that it was table side, side fire chat, conversa- fireside conversations. And so I just allow people to just like ask questions. And, and my life strategy is a lot. It's aligned in that way of like, if I just live my life, they're going to end up asking enough questions that will be like, and guess how I get them over the line. Jesus is exactly who he said he was. He was the greatest liar to ever exist. That's why I say it is because like, I don't know all the other things. I don't, I don't know if I have sure. to like legitimately lead them through like a specific sacred prayer. But what I do is I bring them to the truth by just living it out in my own, my own life. Yeah. And then it's undeniable because they see it enough times with repetition that they go like, man, there's got to be something here. Yeah. And then I surround myself with other great people who may be the one to make that invitation or who, will, who may be the one to say, hey, come to church with me or to do some of these more like formal pieces of that. Sure. But I've married people. I've unfortunately buried people. I have, um, you know, baptized people. I've done it all. Yeah. Um, I think the greatest life change happens through the concepts and, and through the, the realm of relationship of having real conversations when people are in pain and giving them a hope and a path to something that's greater, but not saying, well, you have to do this thing first before you then get the greater thing. Because I don't think that God works that way. I think he loves his kids and what good dad would withhold anything from their kids. He doesn't. So, He's just consistent enough that it makes it undeniable. Yeah. And that's just what I've noticed in my own life. So that's yeah. that's my perspective. That's so I just live it out yeah. and and say, I dare you to call him a liar. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Because yeah. I tell you, like 99% of people do not say, yeah, I believe that he was a liar, right. the greatest liar ever existed. Right, right. My default. Yeah, I mean, and I think regardless of their spiritual background too, right? Which is one of the things very that's true. very powerful in the element of the good news is like that's not never been a negotiable conversation really. Like everyone kind of agrees like he was an amazing human and like there's nothing yeah. about that that I can deny. And so it's really good. I'm curious because I, as I said, I could geek out on this side. I could geek out on the business. I love all of it in the middle. Um, I want to know your evolution into this world of entrepreneurship and business and where did that start and how um, soon did you realize the need of, of really bringing in your spirituality into the place of the secular marketplace? Yeah. Um, so after I got out of ministry, I became a brand manager for one of my friend's companies. <laughs> nice. I had a like, relationship to get into business because I really struggled to like contextualize the two sure. and merge them. Um but I figured out very quickly my competency was understanding human behavior. 
And part of understanding human behavior is it kind of wraps up like Tony Robbins, six human needs. And I never figured this out till way later in life, but um, you know, it's focused on certainty and uncertainty and significance and going all the way to the spiritual contribution parts, which is like growth and contribution. And so when you get in those spiritual elements, they're a little bit different than the ones that we need as people. But I just, you know, my dad was in ministry for, he still is. I mean, it's been like 35, 40 years. So I've just seen human beings interact and I know what they put on prayer cards and I've read those and I've seen the challenges. I was leading people through divorce when I was 23 and my parents weren't even divorced because I just could navigate them through the energy of challenges and, and just help them supported of course by like really amazing people. But like, it's just always been a part of my life to understand like, what is it on a foundational basis that people want? And I've just always been in the ethical way, like aligned to like, I'm not going to give people something that's not good for them. Yeah. And so I do the hard work of knowing and getting beneath the surface of things to like figure out what would truly be best, whether that's positioning their product or inviting someone and enrolling them into an experience that I know will change their life. Yeah. Um, so I just kind of, I don't know. I leave it with open hands, but the way that I got into entrepreneurship very specifically was accidentally. Um, I made a company $5 million in nine months and I was still making a salary. And I was like, this doesn't make any sense. So <laughs> like, wait a second. That, that doesn't equate. And when I asked for more responsibility, they're like, yeah, well, you know what? We'll have you do our email marketing. And I was like, y'all don't get it. Like yeah. this is, I'm so in the future of where y'all are at. So I left and went to fortune 500 and did that. And I found myself at a boardroom table with a CEO of a $4 billion company. And I had just left ministry 18 months prior. So I just knew that God had a certain amount of favor on my life. And no matter, there was an element of the Midas touch. I felt like David talks about this too. No matter what he did, like it just worked yeah. until it didn't. Um, yeah. And it felt that way for a while. Um, and, you know, and then I just kind of, I figured out that entrepreneurship was, I think the greatest path of spiritual evolution that I could use and I could leverage in order to just become the best version of myself. I very much had that idea that I don't want to get to the finish line and meet the version of me that went all out and, you know, overcame the things I need to overcome and and lived every day to its fullest and go like, man, we didn't end up in the same place. And so it's my desire and my pursuit every day to, to stay on that path. And of course, some days are easier than others. And, you know, you get life's challenges and curveballs, but that's what keeps me anchored to the future of, of uh, you know, of where I know that God can lead me. And in addition, it's all about our becoming. I'm not someone who's here to do a lot. I'm here to be someone who sees a lot. And I've had prophetic gifting spoken over my life since I was a little kid. I remember a lady came into my house and she's kind of like one of those wild, like ladies at, you know, AG church, right? Yeah. The flags and the whole thing, you know, and the anointing oil pour a whole canister on my head, but she's, she like was in my room and she painted the word profit on my room when we were, um, we built a new house. My parents did. And so we had like a painting party. And so she did that. And I remember that. I remember that vividly walking into that room going like, well, that's pretty cool. Until I looked it up and I looked up my name and what it meant. And I looked up my last name and it means cave dweller and prophets typically hid in the caves when they were on the run where they'd give a word of caution. hated them for it. So I started seeing all of those different things in my life, all those wow. staples in my life. And it was never an option for me to not carry spirituality into business because it's part of my being. I'm a spiritual being first, you know, and I think that's a really important concept. The additional piece on the second half of that is I want to be a spiritual billionaire. I don't care if I am in the natural world because that's not where I'm going to be long-term. Yeah. But I look at that in the sense of like, how can I do like my best to inspect my own life 
and to be focused on the transformation that I'm bringing to everyday people through conversation, through encouragement. I think that's like the whole acorn effect is like encouraging people, you know, yeah. paying it forward, yeah. you know, um, and I just, I don't know. I just, I see the world upside down and backwards in that way. And then I'm also really good at making a lot of money. So then there's that thing. But I think that's just a byproduct of doing what I love well by uniquely being who God called me to be and not judging any of that. Yeah. Yeah. I love, I've heard you say on one of the shows, like the way that you've been able to support so many and is, and get them through the place of not judging themselves. And I totally. think self-judgment, self-criticism, the thing that keeps us, even our voices in, in trapped in that place of mental and physical misalignment is is the stagnation of becoming like we're almost afraid whether in entrepreneurship you hear all the time like i'm afraid of success what happens if this does happen versus a lot of people who are anti-entrepreneurship and they're like i'm afraid of failure so i'll just go to this job nine to five not to say everybody's like that i know that's not that's very much stereotypical but in that conversation with people helping them not judge themselves what are ways that they can do that by not judging others is the number one thing it's, it always comes down to the trading of those virtues and, and vices, right? The vices are the criticism, comparison, and judgment. Mm. And so I already know right away, if someone is judging someone else, they will judge themselves 10 times harder. And bilaterally, if they're judging themselves, they'll judge others. So a lot of times it's easier to control the action externally than internally. Mm. So I'm like, stop judging people yeah. and start praying for them. It's an easy switch. That's good. Start encouraging them. That's why I do the encouragement things. It's such a hack. Yeah. Like I... And I, I, I truly believe it's the best thing ever because it changes us. So the, what produces consistent red light emotions are criticism, comparison, and judgment. And on the other side, what continually produces green light emotions of things that you want to experience. And this may be like a cosmic, like absolute sonic boom for people. Yeah. Your life should feel good every day. Yeah. Like you should actually enjoy your life. Yeah. And that seems for a lot of people like, and I know for me in my life at times, that felt like a very good idea. Yeah. Distant. It's not what I lived on a daily basis. I didn't, I didn't feel that. And so truth, honesty, integrity, part of telling yourself the truth is just to name it and claim it. Just say what it is. I am choosing to be a stick in the mud right now. Thank you. Well, now we can deal with reality. And so that's what I truly believe helps people get across the line. And I think in mental health, it's the same thing. I went to a hundred therapy sessions in a year um, and meeting with a Taoist monk for two hours is the thing that changed my life because wow. he gave me a formula that shifted everything. Wow. And he told me, Nick, if you keep living your life, when you have life events, if you're tied to your emotions, then you're always going to have this experience of that. Every, the sky is falling and your life is going to be constantly in the carousel of despair. So he said, it's really simple. There's life events that are going to happen. If you place your belief system before your emotions, you're going to live life in a completely different way. And it changed my life. It saved my marriage. It saved my business. It saved like so much because that was a year before what happened in March of this year right? um, with the, at the kid's school. So all of that anchoring was all hyper intentional. And that's why I say that God will use anyone in anything in order to speak to you and through you. And so do not discount the person who's standing in line and gives you, you know, a kind word or gives you a perspective shift. Don't, you know, uh, misinterpret the bravado of someone like Gary B because 
God could be very well using anyone he wants yeah. to use in order yeah. to give a message to someone. So, so it's just wildly important. Even my kids dropped like these bombs in my head. I'm like, oh, wow. yeah. There are some <laughs> of those profound statements. I'm like, say that again. Say that yeah, again. Yeah. I was reading the word the other day and I was like telling Waverly, my daughter, I'm like, Wave, you literally said this to me the other day. And she's like, I know. And she was basically just saying that. We were talking about her. I knew uh, he knew her before she was in my womb. And he's like, he knew I was going to be in your womb before you were even born, mama. And I was like, yeah, you're probably right. I guess that's probably reality. He yeah. knew it a long time ago. And so she said, she said, so technically we're the same age spiritually. And I was like, whoa, that's cool. <laughs> That's cool. Right? So she's like, you're yeah. actually not older than me. And I'm like, oh, how could you say such a thing? Your wisdom is beyond your years. So it was just, I'm like, good night. Like, how could you, I could never even formulate that thought at eight years old. And here she is like wowing us. So I think it's so fun. It really is. Well, Nick, it's been so good to talk to you. I want to do one final thing before you jump off, because I know yeah. in this, um, this community that's been established from founders, innovators, and trailblazers, you you mentioned it connected to you have a message, you want to get it into the world, you are one of the best in the world to help people do that from a marketing, branding, strategy perspective. Besides the element of like know thyself, right, and know thyself through thy creator, what is one of your key like kind of takeaways or training uh, methodologies for people? Yeah, there's there's a lot. Um there's a lot of different systems and a lot of different practices that can be leveraged to do it. Um, so I often say like, find something that agrees with your system, whether it's intellectually, some people are more intellectually stimulated. Some are more spiritually driven. Um, some are more like, you know, find a blueprint that makes sense. And I want to go on the journey. Um, but there's a lot of different modalities. I think that we just have to study our uniqueness, you know, to go back in our story. But the first thing that I always tell everyone, and I don't care, if they come into my life and I'm speaking at a conference or if it's like their first day coaching with me, I tell everyone to look up the meaning of their name because mm -hmm. most people don't even know what their name means. And I translate that back to the story of Moses when he was born and his mother decided to take him and send him in a basket down the river to make sure that he stayed alive. Now I have four kids and I know that you have kiddos. Yep. Uh, that, there would be a cold day in hell, as they say, for me to send my child in a basket down a river and say, good luck. Yeah. You, you would have had to have so much conviction in knowing, right? Not thinking, not I, I maybe you would have had to had exclusive knowing. And at that time, I think people's level of spiritual awareness was much higher. Sure. So we get, you know, a lot of it communicates in the Bible. There's these flashes, these moments of visions when children were born that would show the parent what they were called to do. Yeah. And so that's why they would name them what they named them. So this is coming from like ancient, mm -hmm. like wisdom on how God spoke through people. Okay. So I say, look up your name and know what it means. And some people go like, my name means crooked nose. And I'm like, then go deeper. <laughs> like, like it's so funny how people's objections come up where it's yeah. like, well, what the heck does that mean? It's like, keep going, look for other translation, look for something that like, yeah. that that's going to hit you deeper. And then if that one makes sense, like Nicholas means victory of the people, my middle name, James, it means a uh, supplanter, the replacement Patrick, which is my other middle name. It means nobility and Kabuto wow. means cave dweller. So I'm like helping people be victorious as a replacement to something as a son of the King and or with high association. And, and when I'm not with them, I'm in the caves because I'm kind of on the run. Well, that's a pretty accurate description. <laughs> pretty accurate. of what, what I so think being pulled out. 
So, so it's just funny, but Here's like your eulogy get, like, done. Yes, exactly. Yeah, the uh, on the run cave dweller who loves people well. Um, yeah, so good. But, David, but it's, that's it's just an David. important thing. So yeah. good. Gosh. All right, y'all. Like we have homework to do because I'm curious. I know my kids' meanings of their names, but I've probably never gone down that rabbit hole for myself. Yeah. So I always just got, and this is probably inappropriate to tell a dude, but you know, such is it's on the front of my mind. I'm going to be me. I always got the change of my name to Microsoft Word when typing just came out. It would change Tamara to tampon. And so I just never <laughs> went any further. That was literally it. I literally was always just that like, so funny. Oh my God. That's it. That's all I get. Yeah. My name That's is Tamara, like a camera. Listen, First of all, on autocorrect, make sure you change that. I like, did. So I did that for years later, though. So got it. Well, secondarily, Pinterest is a great place. Like I know that sounds cool. crazy, but it's a great place to start, and it's really foundational. And I think it will really kind of start awakening something for people. So fun! So, I love yeah. that. Well, Nick, you've been such a blessing to us today. I appreciate your time. I can't wait to see where God's leading you next and out of whatever next cave you're going to find yourself in. Um, But I am grateful for the time. Yeah. I appreciate you. Thanks. Thanks for being here. All right. You bet. Hey, I want one more question before I jump off is should people like jump onto Instagram? Like, I don't even know where to find now that I know this, the second life of you. I'm like, where (laughs) do I fall? I'm just going to have the podcast search Nick Cavuto. So you can literally listen to all this ancient wisdom all the time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Hit me up on IG. I always give people my phone number because I, I do all the time. 303-249-5002. It's blue text. So you know it's real. So good. So you and uh, yeah, I mean, some people just need to be encouraged and some people have a deeper question, whatever. But like, that's all about accessibility and openness. But God's here to uh, allow me to do something great. And if that's encouraging and loving on people, then that's my highest honor. Take advantage of that number, y'all. Rewind, go back, text him, say you love him, because we do. (laughs) Thanks again, Nick. Chat soon. You bet. Hey, y'all. It's me again. Before you go, let's solidify the flame that was ignited within you today by sharing the spark with your own community. Whether it's mentally, physically, emotionally, relationally, or spiritually, I would love for you to take the step right now by declaring your takeaway. Snap a pic of the episode and share it on your stories or posts. And you can tag me and the guest, and we will surely feature you on our Instas. Hey, you may even unlock a new accountability buddy in me or them. We're totally in this together, and we appreciate the extra step taken. I would be so grateful if you even took the extra step. Come on, give me that extra sauce and leave a review on iTunes for the podcast listening app that is of your choice. I'm going to be featuring your thoughts and facts, and it's going to be so fun in upcoming episodes. So you'll not only hear your name on the show, but maybe even your passion project or whatever big shout out you want me to make. So please, as a fellow writer, leave some words that I can attest to, and I can't wait to read what you have to say. Thanks again for being a loyal listener, and I hope to meet you in person soon at one of the events that we are speaking at or hosting. And I say we because the Fit and Fake team could not do this without you. Until next time, blessings over your joy, health, wealth, and wholeness. This is the Fit and Faith Way.
I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us and this podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network, which is obviously why we got connected and are so grateful to be a part of the community. They have shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Some of mine that I listen to on a regular basis are on Life Audio. Even some of our community members who have been a part of the Fit and Faith team through our coaching or different organizations, they're there too. So I definitely want to drive you over there, check it out. And thanks again, Life Audio, for being you. Have you ever attempted to read the entire Bible? Did you do it or did you only make it part way? I'm John Stonge, and I host a podcast that will make it possible for you to make it through the entire Bible, one chapter at a time. I've been hosting the Chapter a Day Audio Bible Podcast since 2015, and every single day of the week, I read one chapter of Scripture, then follow that up with a time of prayer. And if you're looking for daily insights and inspiration directly from God's Word, I hope you'll give the Chapter a Day Audio Bible a listen. You can find it at lifeaudio.com or on your favorite podcasting app.